Welcome to Unearthed with Christine Babu. Have you ever wondered how much talent rests six feet under? Well, I did wonder, my friends, and it turns out there's just way too much talent. So many of us leave this world never having scratched even the surface of our greatness. Well, we're here to solve this problem. So get ready, my friend. We're about to unearth something beautiful in you. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. Now let's get started. important things in the world have been accomplished by people who have kept on trying when there seemed to be no hope at all. In today's podcast, I sit down with Paul Fortune. Paul was born with cerebral palsy and it was so severe guys that the doctors told his mom that he would never be able to walk. Well, in this episode, Paul talks candidly about the critical role his mother played in his ability to walk and how his mindset helped him change the course of his future. This guy is amazing. In this episode, as always, we go raw as Paul opens up about his struggles in school from bullying to academic challenges and how he set amazing and realistic goals for himself and how he was able to turn his bullies into his cheerleaders. Academically, well, as I said, Paul faced yet another challenge after his high school teacher informed him that his grades would not grant him access to a college education. And I'm telling you guys, I'm not going to spill out all the beans over here, but you must tune in. This podcast was amazing to record. You will not want to miss it. So with that, my friend, please grab yourself a good cup of coffee, a comfortable sofa, and let's get started. Paul, welcome to the show. Yes, Christine. I'm so happy to be here and I thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Thank you so much for saying yes. I have been looking forward to today's show for like ever. And I just know our audience and our listeners today, they're just going to resonate so much with your story and everything. So before we even dive deep into it, would you give us a brief background? Absolutely. Okay, so if your audience doesn't know, uh, cerebral palsy happens at birth. And basically... uh, it was lack of uh, oxygen in the brain during labor. And as a result of that, it can leave one side of the body uh, paralyzed. It can affect your speech. A lot, a lot of bad things can happen to you, and it's a permanent uh, uh, disease that you, that you can never overcome. Yeah. So um, like you said in the bio, apparently my uh, diagnosis of cerebral palsy from the doctor was so severe that the doctor thought I would never be able to walk and that I should be getting used to being in a wheelchair because that's going to be my life. Mm-hmm. Well, thank goodness for a great mom 
she didn't take that diagnosis. She got a second, third, fourth, fifth opinion, finally found somebody that was willing to help. And that's basically how my journey started. For the first 10 years of my life, it started with intense physical therapy pretty much every single day. And I I don't remember this, but I know this. At three, I was able to defy the doctor's orders and I was able to walk, which was one of the biggest feats, you know, of my young life. But I do remember uh, being around five or six and put into soccer for the first time and only being able to run 25 to 50 yards where these other kids are running laps around the field and feeling so defeated that I couldn't just be one of the kids. I, I was standing out because I could only run so far. And having my dad tell the coach, uh, I could only run to the lab, lab post and back, and that's about it. And wanting to, to quit playing soccer just because I didn't, I, I didn't want to stand out so much. Yeah. Uh, but my mom said, no, you know, we have to honor our commitment. After the soccer season's over, if you don't want to play anymore, that's fine. But you have to honor your commitment of, of playing soccer. So, so I did that. And uh, I got my second break around when I was six or seven. I got surgery out on my right foot to give me a little bit more spring in my step, give me a little bit mobility in my foot. And I didn't test this out yet, but I changed schools around that same time. And I remember the first day of uh, PE, physical education, we did our stretches and the teacher told us to run a lap. And I'm thinking to myself, here we go again. I'm going to stand out. These kids are going to see that I can only run so far and I'm going to stop and they're going to start teasing me because of it. But because of my surgery, things were different. The point where I normally have to stop, I was able to keep going. And I'm saying to myself, come on, Paul, you got this, bud. Keep going, keep going. And I finished the lap with these other kids and I kept it cool on the outside, but on the inside, I was like, yes, yes, yes. Finally, the first time in my life that I just fit in with the other kids, I didn't stand out. Uh, which was which was a great feeling. And uh, things did get easier for me at that point, but they weren't easy. Uh, I changed schools again when I was in junior high. And changing school in junior high and being a new kid with no disability is pretty tough. But being a new kid plus having a disability, uh, it was brutal. I remember being bullied, teased, because uh, I still kind of walked with a limp. I still held my right arm a little bit differently. So I'm standing out from these other kids. And I I remember going home each day, you know, crying my room, saying to myself, why me? Why do I have to go through this? Why can't I just be one of these other kids and not stand out? And then around the same time, um, I I was raised Catholic. So I I was going to a Catholic school and and my mom wanted me to go to a Catholic high school. So I had to take some sort of assessment test for the high school I was going to go to. And I apparently, I guess I didn't do well on the test or, or, or what have you. Uh, and uh, the principal, after one test, says, I don't think, uh, I don't think your, your child is, is college material. After one test, the, the, the principal says that to me, says that about me. So I had that going on, get the teasing. And uh, I don't know what came over me, but uh, at midway through my eighth grade, I was just sick of feeling sad and angry. I wanted to change. So I wanted to change. And I thought to myself, what could I change to help me, help me through this? So I wasn't so uh, distracted by all the bullying that was happening to me. What could I do to, to, to focus on where I'm not worried about what the bullying was doing? So I thought to myself, what if I set a goal for myself? And at the time, I loved baseball. So I thought to myself, why don't I try to make my varsity high school baseball team? So from then on, I was playing fall ball, winter ball, spring ball. And if I wasn't doing that, I was throwing a tennis ball against the ball. And I was doing that pretty much every single day. And 
uh, I didn't know this at the time, but I was changing my mindset about myself. I was carrying myself a little bit differently. And these kids started to notice that I was changing my mindset about myself. And as a result, they changed their mindset about me. And instead of bullying and teasing me, they started to root for me on, on, on my goal. And I was able to make my varsity baseball team as a junior and a senior. And, uh, you know, I was so excited about that. And then now I had a, another goal in mind. So, you know, I didn't do well that great in, in high school as far as grades because I was so focused on the baseball. I really didn't really pay attention too much to the grades. So I did yeah. okay, but not that great. Yeah. But I always remembered what that principal said, that I wasn't college material. So I went to a, a, a junior college and I stepped up my a grade point average. I, I, was a, I became a 3.5 student, which, you know, for me, that was extremely high I because mean, I was nowhere near that. And I transferred to Cal State Fullerton, graduated from there. And was a college graduate after this, this principal said that I, I had no business going to school. So I, I felt good about myself. But after I graduated, you know, I'm a young 22, 23-year-old person. I had no life experience. I did not know what I wanted to do. So um, I had a family friend who was m- much older than me. He, he was in the mortgage industry. And he said, why don't you uh, come work for, for me? And I thought, okay, I'll try it out. And for, for many years, I really, really enjoyed working in the mortgage industry. I was pretty successful. And then 2008, 2009 hit, and the industry started to change. Uh, government started to put a lot more regulations on us, which rightfully so, some of it to get rid of the, the bad apples. Mm-hmm. But some of it was, uh, you know, maybe a little bit over the top because I remember having to say my mortgage license number every time I talked to a new client. And if I didn't do that, I could, I, I could get in trouble. And if I did enough, I could get fired. So I would have conversations with these clients now, and I'm thinking to myself, did I say my mortgage license or did I say this? Did I say that? And I wasn't really listening to what the client actually wanted because I'm so worried about not getting fired. I'm just thinking about what I'm supposed to tell them. Yeah. And uh, I would say about six years ago, uh, a, I, uh, they brought in this uh, motivational speaker to, to uh, pump up the sales team. Yeah. And the person blew me away. The guy was so awesome. So I made a point after the uh, sales presentation or the, 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 the rally to go up and talk with him. And he was so gracious. And he told me he also was a life coach. I'm like, a life coach? What is that? Mm-hmm. And he kind of explained that to me. I'm like, maybe that's what I want to do. So then I, I got my coaching certificate. I put it in the universe that I wanted to be a coach. And for a while, I was doing mortgage and the coaching together. And I made the leap of faith and uh, quit doing the mortgage uh, side and just just went on, on my own with my own business, with my coaching business. And now I'm here talking with you. Wow, Paul, that is an amazing story. Like I was just like all over the place in my mind, just trying to think of, wow, what, what kind of mental state do we have to be in to overcome all the odds that were against you almost? Yeah. What, Take me back to when you're like three years old, when you first walked. At that point, did it dawn on you that you needed to fight extra harder? Or were you just kind of like pumped up by your mom's kind of motivation? Well, at my younger age, I I, I think it was mostly through my mom's guidance. I don't think I found my kind of my stride on on my own voice until I hit junior high. And I just got sick of that, that bullying and teasing um, and just thinking about things that I could do to distract me from, from, from those 
horrible feelings I was feeling about being bullied. Mm -hmm. And and thank goodness um, I I went to a positive uh, way by setting a goal as opposed to, you know, going through, you know, substance abuse and such, which, which I'm sure a lot of other kids might, might have done. And I think it had a lot to do with a a great mom that, that, that kind of guided me not to go that route to, to find a, a positive outlet as opposed to a negative outlet. And, and um, I owe a lot to my mom because of that. She was my voice. I mean, if, if yeah. it wasn't for my mom, I wouldn't be walking right now. She yeah, because I was an infant. Hero. I didn't have a voice. Yeah. Um, she was my voice at the time. And, and I owe a lot uh, to, to what she did for me. So I have this opportunity now and I don't want to squander it. Yeah, I agree. Have you ever, I'm curious if I was to ever have these conversations with her, I think the first question I would ask her is what made her so sure of the path that she was taking you through because the doctors have already given you this diagnosis. What makes you go, Hey, I'm not going to accept that report. I want to see someone else and I want to get a different opinion. And I want to just see if there's any chance that my son could work at desire, you know, because a lot of times people go to a doctor and they're given this diagnosis and they accept it. You know, many times they don't go for second opinions or they don't even think that there could be any possibility that anything different could come out of it. Uh, that's a great question. I've never had anybody ask me that question and that's an awesome question. So thank you for asking that question. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've had a, a direct conversation about that, but indirectly I have had conversations with my mom about that. And, and basically for her, it was, she was extremely scared. I mean, uh-huh. I was her first son, so, you know, she didn't know really what to do. And I don't think at the time she knew much about cerebral palsy, mm-hmm. but I think for her is, I don't think, I don't think she could live with herself if she did not give it one ten on finding a way for me. And I think that I think that was the driving force with her that she wanted to give me the best possibilities that I could that that she could give me, and and I think that that that's what her driving force was. I think that she, as long as she gave one ten, then she could live with that. But if she wasn't giving that one ten, I don't think she could live with the fact that, that of of my of of my uh, disease if she didn't give that one ten and. She gave that one ten and plus oh, to get me to get me where I needed to go. So again, I, I can't say enough good things about her. She's amazing. I mean, it just speaks so much to me as a parent, you know, because having children and being their advocate and just not giving up on them, you know, because I think her fight really gave you the extra boost to even fight harder, you know, just seeing her advocate for you and just being your greatest cheerleader. I think that speaks so much to all of us who are parenting, you know? So let me ask you this. Are there like for those parents who are walking through this journey or for those who are walking through the cerebral palsy journey, are there communities or what would you recommend them to do as far as, you know, overcoming bullies and overcoming, you know, this, this, um, these negative voices that play even in your mind when you're all by yourself, what guidance do you have for them? Well, I think the first thing is that you're not alone Mm and that most kids, and this is a sad fact that most kids get bullied some way or another and you're not alone with that. And I think that a lot of times these kids think they're alone that they're, they're dealing with something that they think that nobody else has dealt with. 
and that's wrong. I mean, kids have dealt with that since since the beginning of, of schools. I mean, that that's just unfortunately the way it goes. So what I would suggest, you know, kids do is to find their find their group, you know, find their people that that love them for who they are and not worry about, oh, this guy's not cool, this guy's not cool, or this girl's not cool. Don't worry about that. Worry about are they authentic people? Because down the road, you know, when you get out of school and you, you know, all the things that you worry about being cool, that stuff doesn't really even matter anymore. What mattered was the friendships that you developed in school that you, that you keep because there's friendships that I've had since high school that I still talk to today. And it's because, you know, they were authentic to me and I was authentic to them. You know, I didn't worry about if they were cool or not. I, you know, I just wanted a, a good friendship and not worried about, you know, what their status was in the school. And, and I know that's hard for, for kids to really uh, grasp, yeah. you know, they want to hang out with the cool kids or whatnot, but I would, I would, I would applaud you if you would, you know, not worried about that and, and just develop friendships on the people that you feel are going to be good friends for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that that is the greatest thing. And then if, if you are being bullied and you are feeling alone, um, you know, uh, ask for help. You know, I know that's very hard and I know kids, you don't want to be a tattletale and I get that, you know, you don't want that to happen because sometimes I could backfire to you if, if you do be a, a tattletale, but, but you, you need to, to, to reach out to somebody and, and maybe not be so much the tattletale, but to, to, to express your feelings to maybe a teacher or a counselor or a friend, the, the feelings of sadness and anger that you have. And because if you do that, you'll realize that, you know, that, a lot of other people feel the same way that you do. And if you have a, a, in a disability like cerebral palsy or, or whatever disability you have, uh, I, what I would tell you is to focus in on the things that you do well and not so much the things you can't do. And the things that you do do well, you know, double down on that, you know, excel in that, you know, because everybody has – purpose. Everybody has a passion. Everybody has a skill. We just got to find out what that is and, and let, let the world see it. I so I hope that, that answered your question. No, that did. That really did. And I think it will resonate so much to our listeners. And on a personal level, did you have those scripts playing in your mind that you perhaps you're not good enough, you'll never make it, you'll never uh, make the varsity team or you'll, you know, you set such goals that are so awesome for yourself, but did you ever have those thoughts playing in your head? I'm just curious to know. A- absolutely. I'm human. Of course yeah. I did. Yeah. You know, and, and especially, especially early on in that, in that journey to, to make the varsity baseball team yeah. and having these kids, you know, kind of tease me like you can't make the team. Yeah. You barely you run funny and you, you know, there's no way you're going to make the team. Yeah. So, so absolutely, I had the, the those doubts, and especially if you had a hard day at practice where you, you didn't do well or, yeah. or or what have you. So absolutely, but it, it was just that, okay, you know, wake up the next morning and let's start it again. You know yeah. what I mean? The sun's yeah. going to come out tomorrow and we'll figure it out. And, and that's kind of the mantra I had. So if I had a bad day, I just go, let's, let's just go to sleep and then yeah. let's see how I feel in the morning. And a lot of times in the morning, you know, I felt better about myself and said, okay, let's, let's give it another try. So, so that's probably what, what kept me going and, and, and focusing in on what I could focus on and try not to focus in on the negative stuff that I couldn't control. 
I love that. What do, do you believe in positive affirmations or did you ever use any of those? Yeah, absolutely. I, I use them now and I use that as a tool with my clients now. Awesome. And um, so basically what, what I tell my clients to do, uh, when you wake up in the morning before you uh, grab your phone for social media or turn yeah. on the television or the radio or whatever your morning routine is, yeah, take a moment to think about the things that you're grateful for. Okay. And, and you do that every day. And that will start your day off on the right foot. So you start to point out all the positives positive things are happening during your day. Like, yeah. oh, wow, I just got a, a message. I got a free coffee. Uh, it's adding up, adding up, adding up. Yeah. And if you do that every single day, you're going to have more good days than bad days because you yeah. can do the opposite, right? You can look at all the yeah. negative. Like, you know, you drive to work and you have a flat tire and you're like, just my luck. I would get a flat tire. All, bad things always happen to me. Well, bad things always happen to you. It's because you're, try, you're pointing out all the bad things that happen to you. You can, do, you can choose to look at all the negative or you can choose to look at the positive. And I, and I choose to look at the positive things that happen uh, during my day. But I, I, I know, you know that we're all human beings and there's going to be things that are going to throw us all off kilter you know, that we just can't control. And I would never would tell anybody to suppress their feelings. So if they're feeling yeah. angry or feeling sad, you're entitled to feel, those, feel that way, that you're a human being. But at some point in time, you're not going to want to feel sad anymore. You're not going to want to be angry anymore. And at that point, then you have awareness. And, and the easiest way to change your mood is to focusing on what is going right in your life. I love that. Talk to us about life coaching. Have you always been that kind of person who kind of like cheers people on? Yeah, I mean, I, at, that, at that point in time, that's kind of like kind of that light bulb that went off. But uh, yeah, yeah, I had always had that small windows of things because I've always enjoyed the, the underdog stories. Like my yeah. favorite movies are all about underdogs and overcoming yeah. challenges because I felt like I was an underdog. So yeah, I've always been passionate about, you know, uh, getting over the adversity of things. I think it wasn't until I talked with that, that motivational speaker that kind of gave me the light bulb. Oh, wow. That is something uh, that I never heard of. And that, that's something that I've always been passionate about, but I didn't know that was that could be a profession. So yeah, all through my life, I, I felt that way. And, and, the, and the great thing about when I started to do this journey about yeah. wanting to become a life coach, um, the story I told you about cerebral palsy, I was ashamed of that story. I didn't want to tell anybody that story. Um, I was ashamed of my story yeah. about the cerebral palsy. Um, I didn't want to tell anybody that story because all through my childhood, I just want to be like the other kids. I didn't want any special treatment. Don't, don't treat me any differently. I just want to be one of the kids. I wanted to bury that story because I didn't want to stand out in that way. But I thought when I became a life coach or when I'm doing the discovery to be a life coach, I thought to myself, how are, are, am I going to allow these people to be vulnerable with me if, if I'm not vulnerable with them? How are, how are they going to share their stories with me if I don't share my story with them? And when I came with that realization about that, I started accepting my story as, as something that will help people. And once I did that, that's kind of how I, you know, really got into the life coaching thing because now I can really relate to people and, and their struggles and such. I love that. Our listeners who want to be a life coach or a mentor, what kind of uh, advice or guidance would you give them? I think the, the first thing, uh, if you want to become a life coach, is, is find out what's your why on why you want to become a life coach. 
you know, what is your motivation to do so? Mm-hmm. And what is your, what is your story that you're going to be able to tell your, your clients? Because that, I mean, that's a huge thing, you know, because there's yeah. a lot of life coaches, right? Yeah. And you're like, and you're like, well, why should I choose you? What, mm-hmm. what do you have to offer? So you need to have your story uh, of what you can offer your, you know, your clients and it has to be clear cut. So okay. you need to do some self-evaluation about your life and what you're able to offer these, these clients and be authentic to you and your story. Mm-hmm. Because if you're authentic and you come from an element of care first, people are going to resonate with you and your story. If yeah. you come across not so authentic, you're going to have a rough time getting clients because people are, are very intelligent people and they're going to pick up that there's something off about your story. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I tell people, be authentic to your story and be true to yourself and the right people will come to you as clients. But for those who want to be like life coaches or mentors and they're not there yet, I'm getting the sense that they need to work on themselves, get themselves there to then be able to lead other people to that area. Is that correct? Or can you do it while you work on yourself? Yeah, I I like to use this analogy. You remind me of it. Uh, You know, when you go on an airplane... Yeah. And, you know, you, you need to put on your oxygen mask before you can help anybody else. And I think that's a truly a, a thing to keep in mind. You got to make sure that you are strong enough, mm-hmm. you know, mentally, emotionally to prepare yourself as a life coach, because there's going to be a lot of they're going to throw you, you know, some stuff that is going to be very, very serious. Mm-hmm. And you got to have the emotional uh, fortitude to understand that. And and you also have to be honest with them. So, there, you know, there's there's times where I feel like they, they need to see a, a, a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. you know, so a, a licensed doctor. And you yes. need to be strong enough to say, hey, well, well, wait a minute. What you're telling me is, is something that, that you need to talk to a medical professional that has a degree in this to, to really dive into your issues. And you have, to be, you have to be strong enough with yourself to be able to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not give them poor advice just to make yourself look better. You got to be real with them. And if it's if you feel like it's over your over your expertise, you need to be honest with them and say, "Hey, look, at you need to seek out some medical profession, and they they may need to diagnose you further than than what I can." And 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 you're and you're serving them well by doing that. You know, by by giving them you know your honest opinion and not yeah. try to. Um, make something up to make yourself look better because that that's the wrong way to do it. It's just to be honest. And, and the only way you can do that is you've got to be confident in yourself and your abilities on what your strengths and weaknesses are. And um, yeah, so you've really got to really dive into your self to, yeah. to, to do this. I love that you just brought up the mental health issue and I am in healthcare on the mental health side. And so I wanted to ask you this. How do you know when it's time as a life coach to separate mental health professional versus a life coach? Is it on a case-to-case basis? It, it's definitely a case-to-case basis. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, when I start to think about like the client, I'm thinking to myself, oh, maybe the client might need medication. And I, mm-hmm. I have to stop myself at that point mm-hmm. because I, I, I can't diagnose that. I, I, don't, I don't have a degree in that. But if I'm starting to think that way, 
that's when I really want to stop and say, you know what, maybe you need an evaluation. And I will not tell the, the client that I thought that, that, you know, they yeah. need a, a medication because I'm not a, a medical profession. But if yeah. I'm starting to think that way, to think that the client may need that, that's when I really stop at the conversation and, and tell them that they may need to seek somebody in that field for further evaluation. And, and maybe, they may, maybe they need medication, maybe they don't, I don't know. But yeah. if I'm starting to feel that way in my head, then, then I think that, that it's going above my pay grade and they need to seek medical attention. So I think at that point is normally when I, when I, when I bring that up. Okay. And can someone keep their life coach while at the same time seeing a mental health professional? Absolutely. I have a, yeah. I have a client that has both right now. Yeah. And basically the, 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 uh, the psychiatrist deals with, you know, the past. Yes. And I don't deal with the past. I deal with mm-hmm. the present and the future. Mm-hmm. So they dive into why they are who they are with the, with the medical profession. Yes. And then they deal with me about present day and what they want their goals to be. And, and, uh, you know, we work well together. I don't re- I don't know the, uh, the psychiatrist, but, yeah. but what they were been telling me, I think we've been working well together and I, I try to stay out of his, out of his lane, so yes. to speak on what he's doing. And he's pretty good about not uh, going into my lane with what, what I'm trying to do for the client. So yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I, I, th- I think that that, that could be uh, a benefit to have both. Yes. Yeah. I love that. So when you do have these scenarios show up where mental health is needed, um, do you refer them? Do you work with specific mental health professionals to refer them to those professionals? Or is it up to the client to go do their own insurance search and all that stuff? How does yeah, that work? Yeah, I have clients all over the United States. Okay. So it'd be hard for me to recommend yeah. somebody uh, just because they're all over the place and they have, you know, like you said, different uh, benefits and such. Yeah. So, you know, I may, I may help them, you know, do some research and I tell them it's, it's up to you to make that decision. Yeah. I'm just giving you suggestions, but okay. you do the heavy lifting. You need to make the decision on who's best for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically up to the client and what their insurance provides and okay and if and and if they even want it you know sometimes they may not want it you know Mm -hmm. and 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 that's their decision too um so it's up to the what they want to do i like that i never even thought about that scenario that they might possibly not be open to mental health treatment okay so what kind when would you know that you need a life coach how do you what are the tell signs that perhaps a life coach might be able to help you well as i tell my clients this when things are going good in your life and everything's going right you know i'm not as useful but when you're in the weeds and 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 you're dealing with your family and you're dealing with your work and you you don't have an outlet and you all have these all these negative thoughts that are going in your head and you're feeling overwhelmed that's where i come into play Uh, i have a client that has these you know that has this going on and they're like oh man when is my next session with paul i need that i need that positive reinforcement uh i remember having a a conversation with one of my clients uh, a couple months ago and she was just going off about you know, what her, what was going on in her life. And it all was negative. Right. Wow. And I was taking notes and, um, you know, after she was done t- telling me, her, you know, the story that what was happening yeah. at that time, 
I was pointing out, I, I went back through her, what she was telling me, and I was pointing out all the positive things that she was doing that she wasn't looking for. She was always looking for the negative. And I was pointing out all the positives that was happening in that journey. And she was like, oh, you know what? I didn't think about that. Oh, you know what? I didn't think about that either. And by the end of the call, I'm not saying that this person was jumping up for joy doing backflips. Yeah. But you could tell her tone was much different from the beginning of the call to the end of the call. And, you know, and then for me, that was a win that I, I was able to, you know, get her those positive reinforcements that, so that she can, you know, tackle, tackle the day. I love that. I know your time is of the essence, but I have two questions I have to ask you. Sure. What, what are some of your success stories? Do you have one that you could share? And also number two is, is a life coach forever? Or is there a point in time where you realize that the life coach has helped? I'm good to go. Well, I think that you have uh, self-evaluation all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're constantly trying to make yourself better, you know, mm-hmm. all the time. Well, and I think that, that, uh, you know, with my message, you know, it could run its course, you know, like yeah. after a while, you, you know, my message, you know what I'm about. And then maybe, maybe you need a different type of life coach after that. I don't know. I mean, it just depends on, you know, what you're going through and what you need. And, um, I'm not arrogant to think that I, I that I'm going to be your life coach forever. No, I mean if, if if at some point in time you feel like you know the message I, I I know your message now and I'm good. Thank you very much. And I'm going to go on my uh, you know, go on my journey without you. You know, no hard feelings. Or I want to try a different life coach because maybe this a different life coach is going to be a di- give me a different perspective mm-hmm. because they they came from a different area. So that could definitely help, uh, you know, just, but it, it depends. Uh, but right now I have some great clients that, that are doing great things. Um, you know, I'm working with, uh, clients that, that want to become a CEO. I got a client that just wants to make more friends. I got different clients that want to have different needs. And, uh, and for me, it's all about the mindset, whatever your goal or whatever you're trying to do, it's all starts with your mind. Yeah. How do you feel about yourself? That self-love piece, because if you don't feel good about yourself, it's going to be hard for you to accomplish your goals or make friends or do other mm-hmm. things because you have that, that insecure feeling. So mm-hmm. the first thing we got to do is, is, is self-evaluation. What can we do to help you feel better about yourself? And that's where it all starts. I love that. And my questions just keep coming up. Okay. So I have another one. Yeah. Do you, when you take on a new client, do you then have to do some sort of self-assessment to get them to the, perhaps to know where to start even with their story or with their request of you? How do you, how do you know where to start them? Is that, are there different levels of, Hey, this is intro. This is like intermediary. I don't know. You know? The, the, the thing that I do yeah. is, and with, with most of my clients is I listen, okay. I listen to them. I think that that is the, the most important thing that yeah. I'm an active listener and I show them empathy. And, and a lot mm-hmm. of times I'm not giving too much advice at all because the, the bottom line is people don't want advice because they already know what they want to do. They want somebody to kind of keep them on track, to keep them motivated, to keep them going forward and that, and, and, and to listen. Because, you know, a lot of times in your day, you're taking care of your family 
and you got you have to put on the strong face all the time. You know what I mean? Because you don't want to worry your family or your friends or anything like that. You want to make sure that they're taken care of, and yeah. you you can't be vulnerable a lot of times because you need to put on the strong face. And I allow you the space of non-judgment that you can be vulnerable with me to get out some of that fear and anxiety that you have so that you can go back to your day and, and do what you're doing. So a lot of it more is just listening to, to the client and giving them empathy and being an active mm-hmm. listener. They don't really want advice from me. They know what to do. I love that. I love, and you're so right. Most of the time we just want someone to listen and kind of like give us that positive affirmation and shower us with some positivity because the world can be so cruel, you know? Do you get a lot of clientele in the business world? I can only imagine the pressure that perhaps a CEO has, you know? You know, it's funny is a lot of times the clients that come to me, like for, for that type of work to, you know, on the career side, Mm -hmm. it starts with the career, right? But, you know, after talking with them, it always goes back to the life. It always goes back to their life and and their, and their experiences and their background. So yeah, it starts with the career. Most of the time it goes back to the life coaching. It goes back to, you know, know, the family and and their background and everything like that. And, and it, it all, it all connects. Right. So, you know, once we, once, once they feel better about themselves, um, they are more productive at work because I, Mm -hmm. I, 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 you know, the thing is I want everybody to know is being present is very, very important Mm -hmm. and it's hard to do being present, but if you're present, you know, we're having a conversation with you right now and you're my priority. You're, Mm -hmm. I'm being present with you. You are my priority. And, and, and that's something to think about. So when you're at work and, and, you're, and you have tasks to do is to be present with the work. And if you're mm-hmm. present with the work, you're going to be more productive. And if you're with your friends and family, be present with your friends and family. Listen to what they have to say. Then they'll, they'll, they'll feed off your energy that they know that you're being present. And as a result, a lot of times they'll be present too because they, they, they're feeding off that. And that's the same thing at work. So that is the, 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 the biggest thing is to be present. And it's very hard to do because it is. We, our, our mind is always constantly moving, right? Everybody's thinking, you know, like you're, you're at work and you're thinking about something that happened at home or you're thinking yes. about what you have to do, you know, when you get home and you're not, you know, you're kind of on autopilot and, and your work suffers from that. Or, or when you're talking with a friend, you're thinking about, you know, something that happened. You're thinking mm-hmm. about what you have to do after you're done with the phone call and you're not really giving you're all to that, to that person. So um, it's, it's extremely important to, to be present as I much love as possible. That. I love, love, love that. So if a business is interested in your services, uh, do you perform group sessions for businesses or how does that work? I don't do too much of, uh, of, of businesses. Most of, yeah. my, most of my, most of my work is individuals uh, okay. that, that I work with individually, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I would gladly help uh, a business if, if, if they want to do a group. Yes. I, I, I don't do that yet. I want to get into, uh, but the pandemic kind of hurt me a little I bit on that. I want to get into uh, speaking. I want to get into more speaking engagements yes. And, yes. and, and uh, becoming more of a speaker. So so we've been, I've been doing a lot of the Toastmasters and a lot of oh. uh, stuff like that. So yes. uh, to get me ready so when the, when the, the pandemic is you know, over and we can start to get into groups again, I'd love to start to get into a lot of speaking engagements for companies and, and doing that type of work. 
I love it. I love Toastmasters, by the way. Go Toastmasters because yeah. I go to one too. So they are oh, a great. really great benefit. I love it. Paul, we love to end today's session with our bonfire questions. These are three questions we ask all our guests, kind of just to get to know them just a little bit more. So I have the first question for you. What are your biggest failures and what lessons did you learn? What are my biggest failures and what lessons did I learn? Um, Just one would do. I would say, I would say that it was uh, early on uh, in, in college. uh, I I studied radio, television, film, because I thought maybe I might want to get into that realm. And I remember doing an internship at at a, at a, uh, a TV show. It was a sci-fi police show. I don't really know. I remember much about it, but I remember it was kind of weird, but I thought, well, who am I? I'm just a 22 year old kid. I don't know what's good. Right. And I'm, but I'm thinking yeah. this is not that great of a show. Yeah. And I remember uh, going, you know, to, to set every day and I would work, you know, 12 hour days and nobody would know my name. They'd say, Hey, you go to Starbucks and get me, you know, this and that, you know, and I have a big, a big list. And if I were to mess it up, there would be hell to pay. And, and I remember, you know, talking with these people and nobody was happy. And, and maybe it was just this, the set that I was working on. I hope that that's just not all how it is in, in Hollywood or in production, but everybody was so, uh, you know, sleep deprived, unhappy, outside chain smoking, you know, just to bring their day to go. And I'm thinking, do I want to do this? Is this where I want to be? I mean, I, I, I work these hours. Nobody really knows my name. Nobody really cares about what I, I am. They, I, they just hope that I bring the coffee correctly and, and, and you know, help out when I needed to. Um, so, uh, and I, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. So, like, yeah. I, I, so I, I was like going through this thing when I don't know what I want to do with myself. I don't know yeah. what I want to do. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah I don't yeah. think this is what I want to do. And then that's when I got into the mortgage industry and kind of found my stride. So I don't know if that was a failure, but I remember going, oh, crap. This is not my I, I was thinking about this is what I want to do, but I don't, this is not going to work out for me. So, <laughs> so I learned a lot, I, I, you know, and I thought to myself, you know, th- th- what lesson I learned is, I want to be in a job or a profession where I can come to work and, 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 and it's more of a positive environment. And I didn't yeah. feel that way in that, in that realm. I love that. I really do. Number two, if you have, if you could have dinner with three people dead or alive, who would those be and why? I okay, love that first, question, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good question. That's a hard yeah. question to ask, but, you know, because there's, there's so many possibilities. Yeah. But the first person I would say, uh, in, uh, going back to the baseball thing, uh, yeah. and he is actually still alive, but, he, you know, he's on a, you know, a little bit older, or, yeah. uh, Vin Scully. I would love to have a mm. conversation with Vin Scully because all the baseball knowledge that he has, I mean, mm. I mean it's so crazy he called Jackie Robinson uh, games and I'm thinking that happened so long ago and he's still alive and he can still talk about those stories and, 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 and life stories because he, he's a very intelligent person. Well-read when I would listen to his broadcast, it wasn't just about baseball. He would bring up literature and all these other mm-hmm. things that he talked about. And I thought he would be a great person to have a conversation with. So I would say him. Okay. Uh, ben Scarley. Okay. And then uh, let's see, who else would I say? Um, 
maybe uh, maybe like uh, uh, a U.S. Uh, hero, uh, Abraham Lincoln, mm. uh, during the Civil War. I think that would, I mean, all the stress that he had going on in the, on his life because he yeah. had the, the South that was against him and he knew what was right and he had to go with what was right and not what was popular. Yes. Um, so I think that he would be a, a, a great person to talk to. Awesome. And it's it, it, and you know I I've seen pictures of him when he first got elected as president and then yeah. towards the end of his uh, uh his term as yeah. president mm-hmm. how much he aged and then you see that with a lot of the presidents that you know is how so true I, yeah like I you look at like o- Obama he looked like a young kid <laughs> and then true. at the end of his term he looked like an old man it's like wow the stress what of that happened? position yeah that stress of that position really uh, unfortunately puts a toll on you and I, I would imagine with all yes. the all the things all the top secret things that presidents have to know and they have yes. to keep secret you know I, I don't know how any of them sleep at night probably hate- with the stress that they have so so yeah. I would think that would be uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln would be a good one and then um, I would probably say uh uh, I would say Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, would be an, another great one. Uh, I mean, his speech, I have a dream that he yes. did at the Washington Monument yes. and his, his powerful message. And, and, you know, and it's so true today. I, I, I look to his message today because he was so much about peace and love. Yes, yes. Uh, it was about bringing it was, it was being, it was about bringing people together and holding hands as one. And, and I, and I, I think that, uh, boy, I mean, I that, that's the type of leadership that we need now is somebody like him that can just bridge the gap and everybody, we're all, we're all, you know, people, we're all human beings and we all should love each other and hold hands and, 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 and embrace our differences and, and applaud our differences. And, and so I, I think that he would be a, a wonderful person to, to, to talk to, he had a lot of insight, a lot of smart, smart, smart man. Yeah, I would definitely select him too. He would be on my list for sure. Yeah. Okay. I think it's a perfect question to segue into. What do you think is the solution to racism? I think it's, it's about understanding. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that, that we, you know, I think a lot of racism, it, it's, it's, it's more about ignorance. I don't know if it's all, always about, about hating. I think yes. it's this ignorance that we have or that, yeah, that we all have. And, and we're, we're told this narrative about another group of people mm, that's not true, exactly. but it's, it, it's stereotypes. And if we could just sit down with people that are with different races or different religions or different political beliefs and have an open mind and, and, and really listen and not, 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 not judge, let them speak, have that, have that open mind and, and hear where they're coming from. And then a lot of times if you do that and, and you show that grace, They'll do the same for you, and they'll say, "Okay, well, what do you believe?" And you can tell them how you believe, and they may not agree with everything that you say, but maybe they can have a little bit of understanding where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. And I think that 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 is huge uh, on 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 um, with uh, with racism is 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 get rid of that ignorance and and, yes. and and go across the aisle and have legitimate conversations and have that open mind and come mm-hmm. come with love and not come with hate. I love that you have just finalize this podcast so well so before we close the podcast paul how can people connect with you well thank you uh the easiest way to connect with me would be through my website it's called a call to action dot coach and my cell phone's on there you can make an appointment on the on on the website but if you want to just call me instead of appointment that way 
I, I do a free consultation to any of my new, uh, any of the new clients, just so that we're a fit to see if, if I'm going to work for you, if, if I'm going to be the best fit for you. Mm-hmm. And then we go from there. Paul, thank you so much. First of all, before we get going, I want to just thank you, first of all, for saying yes. Thank you for sharing your amazing story. It's been so inspiring for me personally. I know I'm going to take away from this conversation so much. I have this desire right now in me to just go, 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 go. And I I just know our listeners have the same desire. So thank you for saying yes. Thank you for the great work you're doing in this world. Hey, guys. We all need life coaches, so check out Paul. Thank you so much, Paul. It's been real. Thank you very much, and I'm, I'm so glad to get to know you, and I can't wait to see where things go. Yes, me too. Hopefully we'll do round two another time, you know? Absolutely. I can't wait. And if this is your first time here, I'd love to say welcome to our community. I hope you enjoyed today's show and I'd love to hear from you. So if you could head over to our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram at Unearthed with Christine Babu, leave me a message over there. Let me know what you thought about today's show. And when you're done with that, would you head over to Spotify and Apple Podcast and subscribe to the show? show as well as leave your review. Your reviews are so important to me because it helps us mold and shape this community such that everyone that comes into this community is able to unearth the greatness that is in them. And when you're done with that, would you do me one last favor? Would you send the link of this show to your friends via text message, via WhatsApp, share it on your social media pages so that we can reach more people and help them transform their lives? Remember, my friend, you matter. I don't care what anyone else has ever told you. You matter. There's so much greatness in you. Now I want you to go out there in the world and let that shine. Thank you so much for being here. Until next time, have yourself a lovely day.